0: Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast in the series, There's More. This week in week six, our big idea is confession is for our healing. We're going to spend some time in the book of Psalm in chapter 19 as we unpack this idea. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Good morning. How's everybody? I'm glad to be here with all of you today. And I've been looking forward to being a part of this summer teaching series that we've been in called There's More. And this has been a series that's based on a book uh, written by John Ortberg called The Life You've Always Wanted. And what we've been doing is we've been walking through some ancient spiritual disciplines. Sounds fun, right? Well, these are disciplines that we're told through historians and through the scripture that are things that Christians have been practicing since the beginning of Christianity. These are things that Jesus reinforced on his time here on earth and then we we've, we've never been given a command to stop practicing these things because they're still relevant to our everyday living. They're still helpful for us in our relationship with God, but also in our relationships with each other. So it's a very beneficial for us to walk through these disciplines. And let me ask you a question today to kind of get things rolling. Have you ever thought or wondered that there's just got to be something more, that you're just not all that you should be. I know that's pretty generic. I think everyone at some point would say, yeah, that's probably me. You might think you're not good enough or you don't do enough things or maybe you're not spiritual enough, whatever that might mean. But as long as I've walked with Christ and even spoken with those who have walked even longer than I have, There seems to be this reoccurring feeling of guilt sometimes or sometimes just a feeling that I'm just discontent with where I am in my spiritual journey. And a lot of times we have those feelings and we think, oh man, there's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I'm not spiritual enough. But I'd like to present the idea today that those feelings that we get aren't necessarily a bad thing because it could be a sign of something really healthy going on inside of you, but we need to respond to those moments in the right way. Today, we're going to be looking in the book of Psalm, and we're going to be looking at a man who put today's discipline into action and found the benefit from it, found the reward from it. And I got a really fun topic to speak with you guys today, and I know when you hear it, you're going to be so glad that you're here. I might even get a standing ovation when you hear this topic. So are you ready for it? Here's what we're going to be talking about today. The spiritual discipline of confession. Yeah, right? No, nobody likes confession. You're probably thinking the same thing that I do when I hear this topic, especially in churches. Oh man, I'm going to feel leaving so guilty in my life. But hopefully when you leave, that's not the only thing You're leaving with. Hopefully we can achieve a little bit more than just that today. And hopefully you can leave even encouraged. But before we jump into a heavier kind of subject, I want to have some fun. So I found some confessions online. These are fun, so feel free to laugh. And I know none of you will relate to these, so we're safe. But here's the first one. I flush the toilet in the guest bathroom when my husband is taking a shower because I know he gets a shot of cold water. (laughs) He screams... I smile. I know why you're laughing. That's just wrong. Number two, here's a good dad confession. When I'm reading you books in bed, I'll often skip pages just to get to the end faster. Guilty. Yeah. Don't, don't judge us. Everybody does it. Here's a good mom confession. I joined a gym just for the free daycare. I drop my kids off and read magazines and blogs in the locker room. Yeah, I know why you're laughing. And then here's something we all can relate with. If you have kids, you'll know what this is all about. I love seeing other people's kids having a meltdown in public because it's not my kid, (laughs) right? We all go through that. And confession is not a fun thing. I'll be the first to admit it walking into this today. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. It's even humiliating at times. There's pain involved. And nobody likes to admit that they've messed up and done wrong things. I don't like to admit that I've been deceitful, that I've been manipulative, that there's things in my life that if people knew, I would be embarrassed about. So nobody likes it, but it is actually a necessary thing for us. After all, it's the first step in becoming a follower of Christ, right? It's confessing that there's sin in my life And there's nothing that I can do on my own about that, but I'm in need of a Savior, so we trust in Jesus alone to be that Savior for us, and now we follow Him and make Him the new leader and director of our life. That's Christianity. And so it's a necessary step, but it's also a healthy step, which brings us to our big idea for today, and it's this. Confession is for our healing. Confession is actually for our healing. It might not seem like it, but... God didn't design confession to humiliate us. He didn't design confession because he needed to know all the things that we were doing wrong in life. He already knows that. He didn't design confession because he needed something from us. He designed it because he knew we needed something from him. We needed healing. And that's what this can bring for us. Because we all have this stain of sin in our lives, right? In fact, let's do a little exercise. Let's do some mass confession today. So everybody, put your hand up. Wow, some of you really don't trust me right now. And that's okay, I promise. You're not going to have to admit to anything, but if you've done a lot of wrong, go ahead and put up two hands. No, just kidding, don't put up two hands. Just leave up one, that's just fine. So here's what I want you to do. If you have never sinned in your entire life, go ahead and put your hand down. Yeah, I saw that. There was a... There was a little bit of a nudge. All right, put your hand down. I won't make you do anything more than that, I promise. But I just wanted to prove a simple point, and that's we are all in this sin thing together. It's all of us. No one's exempt. We're born with it, and we'll never outgrow it. We all do bad things. We all say bad things. We all think bad things at times, and we all, yes, lie, right? We all do it. And I don't care how good you are or how long you've been a Christian, and it might even be your sweet little mama that you're talking about. She lies too. Shh, don't, don't tell anybody, but no one is exempt from this. We all have this stain of sin in our lives, and we all lie. For example, last week I saw a show called Mind Games. Have you guys seen that? It's actually a really neat show. Well, this particular episode, they brought a bunch of kids in individually, put them at a table and put a huge chocolate cake in front of them. This was an amazing looking cake. I could not have resisted myself. But then the adult said, okay, I have to leave the room, but here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to touch the cake. I don't want you to even smell the cake and definitely don't eat the cake. So they left and it was the viewer's job without seeing the footage to guess which kid was telling the truth. So he came back in and they all denied it. They all said, no, I didn't touch it. I didn't need it. Didn't even come close to it. Well, I thought I had nailed it. There was this little boy, probably five, six years old, reminded me of my own little sweet little Chase, my son, who would never lie to his parents, right? Well, I thought I had nailed it. He was so innocent and so kind. Well, he was the biggest liar of them all. Not only did he eat the cake, but he used his shirt, the inside of his shirt, to wipe down the table. (laughs) So that you couldn't tell that there was anything there. It was, it was pretty hilarious. And I was so wrong. And then it made me really think about my son, Chase. <laughs> but we do all have this stain of sin. We're born with it, and we never outgrow it. But the good news is for us is that God established something for us to take care of this in our lives, to help us with this problem. And it is a discipline because it's not an easy thing to do. And it is a discipline because confession doesn't come naturally for us, right? Our tendency tendency is to hide, conceal, to wipe away all the evidence of wrongdoing. That's just our nature. And God knew that. He knew that it's not our natural tendency to confess, so he gave us some instruction. He gave us some good guidance in Scripture about how he views this and how we should view it. And you might say today, Ben, I'm a Christian. I confessed my sins to God, and the Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive me forever. And I'm clear of all that. And that is true. He, he forgave you forever. But I would propose to you, as you say, well, then why do we keep having to do this confession thing? That maybe we don't think about confession the same way that God views it. What does that mean? Well, God views confession as more of a process than he does just one single act. So before we jump in, I want to take a moment and pray and ask God to come into this conversation with us and help guide our conversations today. So would you pray with me? God, we just invite you in at this time. We want you to be a part of this. Thank you for your word and your scriptures and for some guidance just help us walk through this and leave with a sense of knowing you a little better and help us to begin to respond to you today. And in your name we pray these things. Amen. So we're going to walk through this together. There's going to be four steps to this process we're going to talk about. And then when we get to the, through the process, you're going to get a reward. So be looking forward to that. And then we'll do a few takeaways and be out of here. But hopefully by the end when we leave, you can feel encouraged and a better understanding of how God could design confession for our benefit, for our healing. We're going to take a look at a piece of scripture found in the book of Psalms. And we're going to look at Psalm 19. And this was a psalm written by King David. And you might think, well, we're going to use an example of a guy who wrote the Bible. How much could he have possibly done wrong in life, right? Well, to give us a little context for this author, here's a few things about David. He was a shepherd boy growing up, came from humble beginnings. David became well-known as a mighty warrior when he defeated the giant Philistine, Goliath. David and Goliath, same guy. David was one of the greatest kings Israel had ever had. And David became known as the mightiest warrior of his time. God actually called David a man after his own heart. That's actually not a bad resume so far. But wait, by the way, David murdered the husband of the woman, that he was having an affair with. He murdered the husband to cover up the affair. David's sins actually cost him the life of his infant son. And David often failed in his role as a father. So to say the least, he had some pretty big skeletons in his closet. He knew what shame felt like, and he knew what guilt felt like, and he knew what it was like to carry some pretty heavy baggage in life. So, in Psalm 19, we're going to get a glimpse of how David would respond in some of these moments in life when he needed to take some inventory and do some confession. We pick up in verse 9. It says, The laws of the Lord are true, and each one is fair. Down to verse 11. They are a warning to those who hear them, and there is a great reward for those who obey them. Here's where it gets good. How can I know all of the sins lurking? That's a great word, isn't it? Lurking. Lurking in my heart. Cleanse me from these hidden thoughts. See, David realized something here. He needed some help in this process, he needed some accountability because he knew his tendency to cover, to conceal, to justify to wipe away all evidence of, and he needed someone to hold him accountable in those blind spots. So step one in this process is this, preparation. Ask God for help. I mean, you could ask some friends for help, I guess. If you really wanted to, you could ask your spouse. I wouldn't recommend it. You'll be confessing all night long. It'll be your new full-time job. But when left on our own, we can get in trouble because we can do a couple of things. We can self-condemn ourselves for things that we really shouldn't, or we can begin to justify the things in our lives that really need some attention. So David knew our natural tendency was to hide and conceal, so he invited God into this process right up front. So spend some time in prayer and ask God to help you in this process, even if you feel like you can't, because a lot of times we feel like we need to fix things up. And clean things up a little bit before we invite God into this process with us. But that's a lie. That's a lie that Satan's going to tell you to keep you from taking this first crucial step in the process. Because you need more than yourself to walk through this. So pray and ask God to help you even if you feel like you can't. So now we can move on to step number two in this process. This step is a self-examination process. And I'll be honest with you. This isn't fun to do. This isn't going to be something that you're going to look forward to doing. A lot of times we don't even know where to start, right? We're like, okay, it's been a couple weeks. It's been a couple months. There's a lot going on between the last time I had a conversation with God about these things. So a practical place for us to start is maybe to list some categories of sin to kind of get things going. And you may have heard these categories referred to as the seven deadly sins, It's a common term. It's not one that the Bible necessarily uses, but it does speak to all of these categories, and it kind of hits everything. So begin. And uh, here are what those are. There's pride. So begin asking, how am I doing in this area of pride? What's going on? Is there anything there? Anger. Okay, what's going on here? Lust. What's going on in my mind and my thought life? Is everything going smoothly here? Envy. Greed. Laziness. And gluttony. And that's not just about food. It is, but it's really anything that we do in excess that becomes unhealthy for us. That could be alcohol, social media, television, hobbies. Anything that robs us from what we should be doing can be gluttony in our lives. And chances are, when you start running this list, one or two of them at least are going to be sparking some things in your life. And when you walk through this process with God, He'll begin to speak to you about some of these areas. In your life, and I want you to get this. Don't miss this point. So if you're not paying attention, pay attention now because this is good. Confession works best when it's specific, when it's particular, and when it's concrete. It's easy to be general with our sin, it's hard to be specific. For example, it's easy to say that I haven't been truthful enough. That's pretty safe. It's a little harder to say that I lied to my boss. Told him I was working when I wasn't because I didn't want to get in trouble. It's easy to say that I had some bad thoughts. It's a little harder to say that I intentionally went online to look at inappropriate material. It's easy to say that "Ah, I said some bad things. It's a little harder to say that I revealed some personal and confidential information about a friend to make myself look better. It's easy to say I put myself in some bad situations this week. It's a little harder to say that I was entertaining some clients and I wanted to show them a good time and we ended up someplace that I had no business being. See, it's more difficult to be specific, but it can provide so much more healing. It's more embarrassing, but it's so much more freeing because there's something about when we name our sins and we get them out in front of God, he can begin to shine his light on them. And when light gets shined on sin, it begins to lose its power over us. It just does. The guilt seems to start lifting. The shame becomes lifted because there's light and there's God involved in the process. It can feel embarrassing, but it's necessary. And it's important to be honest. You gotta be honest. You can't, don't make excuses, because I know we all have bad days And there's surrounding circumstances and there's other people doing things to us that causes us to react and there's emotions that can cause all sorts of crazy things in our lives. But at some point there was a decision to be made and I made the wrong decision and now I need to own that and I need to confess that to God. So be honest with yourself. Here's a couple questions you can ask also in this process to help you think through this. Ask yourself, why did I do what I did? Because this will help you understand the underlining reason for it, not I did it, I don't know why I did it, but I did it. This will help you understand. Maybe you gossiped about somebody because you were feeling a little inadequate or jealous or self-conscious. So figure out what the underlining issue is and ask the question, why did I do what I did? Next, ask the question, what happened as a result of my sin? Because when we begin to see the wake of disaster that we leave behind us, from the decisions that we're making, and makes us a lot less inclined to return to those sins in the future because that's what we do. We return to our sins naturally. So what effects have entered into your life because of my sin? And it can affect all areas of our life spiritually. Yeah, sure, that's a given. But it affects us emotionally. It affects us physically. And when left unresolved, I don't know about you, but I begin to avoid, whether it's God God, that I have some unresolved things with, or whether it's another person, I don't want to be around them. And I tend to start distancing myself. And then I become isolated. And when you become isolated, now Satan has you right where he wants you, alone. Where you can't move forward, that you can't shake the guilt, you can't grow, and you can't heal. It's important to really know yourself, because again, Perhaps you're on the side where you like to self-condemn, where when you do something wrong, you just hammer yourself over the head and you beat yourself down. And even after you've done everything that you possibly can to make that right with God, you've made that right with the other person, you will not allow yourself to move past. That's not where God wants you to be. That's not a healthy place to live. Or maybe you're on the other side and you tend to make excuses and let yourself off the hook a little bit. Well, it was... Because they did that, that made me do that. Or I was having a difficult week. Or I was so good last week, I deserved to have a little bit of fun. After all, I work hard. I deserve some things. That's not where God wants you to be either. So the key here is to find some balance. And this is going to be where we go into our third step in this process. We're going to call this a new feeling. A new feeling. And the feeling that we're going to go for here is called godly sorrow. Now, this might be a term you have heard before, maybe not, but it's the idea that confession goes beyond just feeling guilty. It's actually the recognition that you have done something wrong that has now obstructed your relationship with God. So you begin to feel this godly sorrow. And if you're here and you're a Christ follower, the Bible tells us that that's actually God's spirit inside of us speaking to us. We talked about this last week. Gus gave a great talk, and if you didn't hear it, I'd encourage you to go online and listen to last week's talk, because we really kind of dug into the fact that the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us and works in us and prompts us. Remember when I said at the beginning that we oftentimes can start to feel guilty or dissatisfied with where we are in our relationship with God? That could be actually a great sign in your life that God is speaking to you, and you're hearing from Him, and you're feeling that. But the key is to respond to that in the proper way and in a healthy way. It's when you don't feel regret. It's when you don't feel guilty for the things that are wrong in your life. That's when you're in a dangerous place. And if that's you today, I would encourage you to look out and really evaluate where you are with your relationship with God because this godly sorrow leads us to restitution with God. This compels us to change for the better. It enables us to grow again. And the best part is it enables us to begin this healing process. Let's take a moment and take a deep breath. That's a lot of information, isn't it? So when you put it all together, it actually starts to make pretty good sense. So you go to God and you say, before I even start to think about the sins of my life, I need your help. Because I'm not gonna see them all. There's some blind spots. I'm gonna make excuses for some of it, so I need your help. And then you begin the self examination process and asking yourself some difficult questions. Where have I gone wrong? And by the way, that step, even for non spiritual implications, is a good thing for everyone to self examine motives and why you're doing what you're doing. Well, now we begin to feel God stirring inside of us and we gain this new feeling. He begins to tell us, okay, you need to respond to me this way and we're doing that. You need to respond to this person in that way and we continue to do that. And then we see that David moves on in this process in verse 13. And then he says, keep me now, keep me from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. So here we see David's not just confessing some past failures. He's now showing a desire for future change. Now he's asking God, help me now not to return to those sins in my life. And this could be one of the most important areas of the confession process that we most oftentimes overlook. And this is what the Bible calls repentance. And this step we're going to refer to as a new promise. Because confession isn't just about naming past failures. It's about our new future intentions. So we make a promise. Not only am I sorry, but I am promising now to do the best I can to not do that again. That's repentance. Feelings of remorse aren't a guarantee of authentic repentance. We can get our kids to say I'm sorry. We can get our kids to feel guilty, right? We send them to their room. We say, okay, that's your new home until you can decide to come out and apologize. And they eventually will. And as they get older, they actually sound like they mean it sometimes. (laughs) But is it the words that we're actually looking for from our kids? No, we all know that. We don't care about what they're saying. What do we really want? We want a change in their future behavior. So we sit them down. Okay, next time, how are you going to respond to this situation? How should you have responded? Okay. And we teach them the importance of this while we ignore it as adults, right? What if we really took into consideration the consequences of our sin, the pain that was about to enter into our lives because of a decision we were making, the guilt that we were going to experience, the broken trust, the relationship that was about to get severed, the reputation that you've worked years to establish was about to get smoked because of one decision in our lives. This process won't only allow us to heal from past mistakes that will also help us to not make future ones. And as God does his work in us, we, we begin to feel this godly sorrow and this, this deep desire, this, this new promise to not do hurtful things in the future. And then David closes out this psalm in verse, 19, or in verse 14, says, May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let everything I say, everything I do, even everything that I think that nobody knows about, let it all be pleasing to you. And here's the amazing reward that we all get. It's God's healing grace. And he has an abundance of this to give, and he wants to give it to you, but he wants you to take the time to walk through this process with him so he can do a full work inside of you through this process because confession is for our healing. We can't heal with guilt overwhelming us. We can't heal and become spiritually healthy with shame shadowing over us. We're never going to live the lives that we desire or that God desires for us with unresolved sin in our lives. It just isn't going to happen because it affects every part of our life. Spiritually, sure. Emotionally, it can bring all sorts of, of Pain and anxiety and hurt and loss of joy, depression. Physically, it begins to affect our decisions and we become unhealthy and illness enters into our lives and then we can't sleep at night. So this sin thing, this guilt thing, this shame thing are powerful weapons that Satan uses to knock you down and to keep you down and from entering into this process. You hear it all the time from high-profile cases, from politicians to athletes, celebrities, even Christian leaders who are caught in sin. They say, by the time that I was caught, I was trying to get caught. I was trying to do things to expose myself because I could not physically handle the burden of this guilt in my life. It was too great because our bodies were not designed to handle sin. They just weren't. God didn't wire us that way. It's not designed to handle guilt. It will eat us alive. And God knew this. He knew that we were fallen. He knew that we were sinners. And he knew that we were in need of a place to put all of this junk in our lives. And that's why he sent his son. To take our place, to die for us. A place that we can now put our sin and say, I am putting everything On your son, Jesus, I believe in what he did for me, and now I'm making him the new leader of my life. We need that. We're not designed to handle sin. We're just not. So what are some takeaways? What are some things that we can walk out and begin doing to help us release some of this out of our lives? So the first thing I would encourage you to do is to just venture into this process. Make it happen. Experience the healing grace that God has and wants to give to you. If you've never tried it, what's the worst that can happen? Has anything else worked so far? So give it a shot. Try And don't think you have to clean things up and fix anything before you begin. No, invite God into this very first thing and let him walk through this process and do his work inside of you. So venture into the process. Second takeaway would be this. Don't cut corners. Because maybe you say, okay, I know exactly what I've done wrong. I know exactly how I should respond. I'm just going to take care of that today and be done with it. Well, that's not going to fully allow you to benefit from this process. Take it from the beginning and walk through and just see what God can help you with. There could be some blind spots that you don't even know about. Or maybe you walk through this process and he's saying, okay, you need to begin to respond to this other person in a certain way. And that can be difficult. But don't cut corners. And follow through with what needs to be done. And just know, and this is the difficult part, is that you're not going to be able to control how the other person receives your confession or your apology. All you can control is doing what God is asking you to do. And then let him do his work in the other person. There's nothing you can say that's going to change their mind or or fix things. People don't change people, only God Changes his people. And then lastly, our takeaway for today is to simply trust. Trust God's forgiveness and trust his grace. Don't think that what you've done is unforgivable. Don't think what you've done is unlovable because he's a big God. He's seen it all. He's heard it all. And he's big enough to handle whatever you've got coming to him. And let him do that. This can be especially difficult for those who tend to self-condemn If you're beating yourself up, if you've done everything that you possibly can to make things right with God, to make things right with the other person, you have to let go of the guilt and the shame. You have to move on and you got to get it right next time because you are not designed to carry the burden of guilt. And if you do, it's going to eat you alive. It's going to prevent you from growing and prevent you from healing. You're not designed to handle it. So confession is for our healing. It really is. Don't run from it. Don't avoid it. And embrace it and let God do what he does best and heal your heart. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the words that you've given to us. Thank you for some great examples of how to walk through this process. God, help us now going forward to respond to whatever it is you're telling us to do today. Maybe it's to venture in. Maybe we have and there's some corners that we've cut and we haven't followed through with the necessary things that we need to say to somebody else. Pray that you would give us the courage to do that. And we pray now for those who we can't control, that you would begin to work inside of them as we go and confess things. We put that in your hands and we just respond to what you're asking us to do. And God, help us trust you. Help us to trust your forgiveness and your grace and that it's big enough to handle whatever it is we have and to let that go. Help us not to beat ourselves up over things that we've already confessed. Help us to move forward so that we can begin to heal. for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.